I get irritated seeing people saying it's just the flu. It's not the flu. It's like people are literally dying. You need to take it seriously. Welcome to Tinnitus Talk. That was Ed, whom you heard just now, one of the contributors to this special episode on corona and tinnitus. Ed actually got infected with the coronavirus, and you'll hear more from him about that later in this episode, including how it has affected his tinnitus. These are crazy times we live in. The coronavirus has impacted pretty much everything, including this podcast. We've had to postpone some of the interviews that we had planned because our guests got too sidetracked dealing with this new situation or because they couldn't get access to proper recording equipment because of working from home. So it has been a bit of a setback for us, but we're moving ahead nonetheless and we decided to create this special episode for anyone out there suffering from tinnitus to hear about experiences from others on how this crisis has impacted their lives and also their tinnitus. And we'll also be looking a bit at how tinnitus research has been affected as well as clinical care. We've been a bit worried, to be honest, about all of you out there whose tinnitus has perhaps gone worse because of the stress of this crisis. It can be a very stressful situation, um, being stuck at home, Social isolation is generally not good for mental health. And then there's the fact that many people's livelihoods has been affected. People are worried about their own health, their elderly relatives and, and other loved ones. So all of that can cause a lot of stress. And stress, as we know, is not good for our tinnitus. It can make it go worse. It can make it spike. So if that's the case, our thoughts are with you. Please try to reach out for help. We're we're there if you need us uh, at the Tinnitus Talk Forum. Just reach out for support if you need it. And I, I'm also thinking in particular of those people who are just now developing tinnitus for the first time during this crisis. Um, as many of you out there, I remember how awful that initial period can be. And it must be even more awful during these times. So if you're one of those people, uh, hang in there. You're not alone. Please reach out for support. And um, yeah, we hope you get through this okay. We've interviewed a good many people for this episode. Many of them are members of the Tinnitus Talk Forum. Also one researcher and one clinician. It's actually the first time that we've done an episode in this format where we uh, have interviewed a number of people in shorter segments and then we're trying to sort of cobble it all together into one coherent episode, which is a bit of a puzzle. And uh, to be honest, I think it's, it's a more challenging way of putting together an episode than just doing one long in-depth interview with someone. But hopefully it's interesting and, and, uh, and valuable. Before we continue, I do want to thank two of our new newest Patreon supporters. That's Mike Bucker and Jefferson Nunn. I wanted to mention both of them by name because they came in at the highest tier uh, that we've set for our Patreon support. So they're supporting us with a very generous amount and we're obviously very grateful for that. Uh, it will actually help us a lot during these times because now that we are forced to interview many of our guests from their homes, we will likely have to send them good microphones so that we get good audio quality uh, and that will cost money. So that's one of the ways that this support helps. But of course, we are grateful for all of our Patreon supporters. And if you, you don't have much money to spend and you can only afford to support us with, let's say, $2 a month, we're also very, very grateful for that. So let's start with a few impressions from the Tinnitus Talk forum. I was looking today through the thread that we have on there about Corona, COVID-19. It's a very active thread at the moment. I was looking through it with together with Marco and we were sharing our observations. And one of the things we noticed is that at the start of the thread, 
I think it was back in like early February or something, the general sentiment was, oh, don't panic, this is not too bad. And of course, it has completely shifted since then to this is actually very bad. There are concerns over uh, the mental health impact of this crisis and how it could impact in it is concerns over how research is affected, uh, clinical trials coming to halt. Um, some people have expressed concerns over what if I get sick and I need to be treated with ototoxic medications, so medications that could be harmful to the ear because I really can't have my hearing or tinnitus go even worse. Now, let's hear directly from a few members of the tinnitus talk community on how they've been affected. We spoke first of all to Liz, who lives in the UK near Glastonbury. Incidentally, she is also the person who transcribes all of our podcast episodes, which is an immense amount of work, so we're very grateful to her. She's also just a lovely person. Uh, and here's what she had to say about how the current situation has impacted her tinnitus. I should preempt this segment by apologizing for the very poor audio quality, and I promise the other segments will be of better quality. Um, I think it has impacted it, although I try not to dwell on it too much, uh, because the way I deal with it is I have lots of distractions, one of which is I, I like to exercise a lot. I go to the gym several times a week, and that's one of the only places where it's not at the forefront of my mind. It's not a noisy gym. And I think the combination of being out and being very active is very good for me personally. So not being able to do that. I, um, I'm, I'm doing as much as I can at home. I have a rebounder, <laughs> which I've had for many, many years, but it's never had so much use as it's been getting in the last two weeks. So that takes up quite a lot of time and do a bit of yoga, anything, anything physical, but it's not really, I'm not really that tired. I'm not doing as much as I would normally sort of going out and about. So I'm not sleeping very well because I'm not, I'm physically not tired enough, but there's not enough to do to fill my days. And there's only so much Netflixing that you can do. I've just invented that, that verb. <laughs> Probably I haven't, but anyway. Um, Yes, you can get a bit bored. Um, I make lots of soup, uh, try and eat healthily, just all the things probably most people are doing because it would be easy to come out of this and feel really horrible in addition to the tinnitus. It would be, you know, to feel really lacking in energy or you've been eating rubbish or whatever. So I think just take the broader view, really. You know, try, and, try and make it more of a positive thing. So you haven't really noticed a change in your tinnitus per se, apart from just finding it a bit more difficult to get the distraction. Um, it on occasions it does feel a lot louder, but again, I think that is apart from talking to myself. I mean, there aren't. I don't have conversation. Well, I, mean, I don't talk to myself generally, but unless I were talking to myself, I'm not having probably the same amount of conversation. So all I've got for company is my tinnitus in many ways. But um, it's just another level. It's not going to go on forever. It will go back to, to what it was. And, you know, look forward to that, really. I also have an incredibly clean apartment now because it's been, <laughs> it's been cleaned within an inch of its life. So that's another positive to come out of it. We also spoke to Steve, who's a longtime member of Tinnitus Talk and also our former director before I took over. The impact for him has been mainly with regard to work. He is, I guess you could say, a tinnitus veteran of nearly two decades, and he says his tinnitus is always very loud, but that hasn't really changed significantly because of the current situation. He spoke with us from his home in Sheffield, UK. In terms of work, we were incredibly busy and kind of work just dropped off a cliff edge. Um, and, and that's the same for a lot of companies, uh, I think, uh, not just in the UK, but around the world. Because, of course, I, I do a lot of work around construction, about things pre-planning uh, on the environmental side as well. And everybody's just stopped. So that the whole industry's just completely stopped dead, in the sectors that I work in anyway. 
And so apart from work, uh, how how what has your life been uh, affected? Oh, I mean, it's pretty huge. You know, you can't go out. Uh, well, you're not supposed to anyway. Uh, but we haven't been going out maybe just once or twice a week or we'll have a walk around, uh, keep local. Uh, but obviously, I, I go to the gym quite a lot. Um, so that um, shut down, uh, is it two and a half weeks ago now? Um, so I managed to, uh, from your native country, purchase a TRX from the Netherlands that took about a week to arrive. I think I actually managed to get the last one they had at the time because they went out of stock just after I bought it. <laughs> so, I, I don't even know what it is, Steve. Ah, right. Well, it's a suspension <laughs> trainer. So basically, because I'm living in an older building, I've got exposed roof beam. So I can wrap the suspension trainer around and do a lot of bodyweight exercises. So it helped me keep fit during all of this. But uh, I, I also have a, um, I'm big into my gaming. So I've got PlayStation VR. So I've been downloading quite a lot of active games, playing a lot of Beat Saber, a lot of boxing and things like that. So you actually have more time for fun activities. Doesn't sound bad. It's not too bad, actually. You know, you've got to uh, you've got to look at the um, the the best side of things, haven't you? Rather than the uh, the dark side. And I think um, it's been good to sit down and actually look and say, do you know what? I've got time to play those games that I didn't have time to play, or I've got time to do certain things. Which what uh, one thing which uh, Marky will empathise with? I've been for a long time wanting to uh, learn a bit more about WordPress and Gravity Forms and a bit about coding. So I'm going to be enjoying doing a bit of that whilst there's nothing else to do. And finally, we spoke to Sean, who is actually the former host of this podcast and who spoke with us from his home in oh somewhere in the east coast of the US. I don't remember the exact location. Sorry, Sean. He shared with us his thoughts on the pros and cons of being stuck at home all the time with tinnitus. In regards to my tinnitus, it was kind of a good thing because, you know, when I'm at home and you're working from home, you could have music playing in the background as loud as you want. You can have your white noise machine going if, if need be. You, you have a lot more um, soundscape distractions that you can have going that I don't really have the ability to do at my job. Um, so in, in the sense of tinnitus, it's, it's kind of great where... I'm at home and I can use as much sound as I want to help distract my tinnitus. And it's it made my days a lot easier and it, it's made it a lot, um, I guess it's a lot more enjoyable being able to, to use those sound distractions more so than I could previously. Um, but in regards to everything else, it, it kind of obviously sucks. You know, you're stuck at home. Um, you know, those these other distractions that I'd like to do for, for my tinnitus, such as going to go exercise, go, go ride my bike, um, maybe go to a restaurant, go, go to the store and, and look at things, pick up things. That's not really an option right now. So um, the social aspect of distraction when it comes to tinnitus is kind of uh, not really there anymore where it was previously. The only kind of distractions I have from my tinnitus now necessarily are these sound soundscapes and, 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 and distractions and whatnot. Yeah, that's a really interesting side effect of the corona crisis that you speak of, uh, which is that working from home is probably in many ways better suited for someone who suffers from tinnitus and, and certainly I imagine hyperacusis, although I don't think you have that, but I think someone who suffers badly from hyperacusis would be much more comfortable working from home than in an office environment where they can't control the soundscape. No, right. Exactly. I think that you just have a lot more control or I guess over your environment, which I guess is also reassuring, I guess, to people who are very concerned about noises and their tinnitus. Being at home is a lot more, uh, I guess, comfortable for those people because they know the sounds they're going to be exposed to at their home versus at the office, walking down the street, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you did mention also the flip side of social isolation in and of itself is yeah, for many people, uh, certainly in the in the long term, maybe it's OK for a few days. But when the days turn into weeks or months, uh, it's actually not very good for your mental health. I think a lot of studies have also shown this. And right. then 
that could potentially affect your tinnitus as well, I imagine. No, I, I definitely agree with that. I, I think that um, something that the tinnitus community, I guess it's, they don't, I don't know if a lot of people think about it. I've talked about it with a couple of people is that the social distraction, like when, when I know that when I have tinnitus and I'm with other people and I'm talking and I'm in, engaging with other people face to face in an environment, it is, it's another layer of distraction on top of sound. And it helps me focus my brain and try and help me tune out that tinnitus that tinnitus tone it's it's never completely gone but it helps put it in the background a little more and not having that difference between sound and social face-to-face distraction i i I was thinking about it today before we we got on this but it's it's definitely something real um that i wonder if i mean i'd like to know if how the other people with tinnitus in our community are also dealing with this isolation aspect um socially as well my impression from talking to Sean and Liz and Steve is that they're all coping quite well, luckily. Um, but then again, you have to remember these are all people who've had tinnitus for a very long time. And in spite of describing their tinnitus as quite loud and intrusive and still struggling with it from time to time. Uh, I mean, Liz, for instance, has tried out the Lanier device, which you wouldn't do if you were like completely okay with your tinnitus, right? But nonetheless, these are people who've had tinnitus for many, many years and have had a lot of time to develop their own coping mechanisms. And I think that's maybe the reason they don't seem too phased by the current situation, uh, at least not when it comes to their tinnitus. I found it interesting, though, that all of them said or, or alluded to the fact that isolation is kind of a mixed bag when it comes to coping with tinnitus. So, on the one hand, Um, when you're stuck at home, you have complete control over your environment, including your soundscape, which can actually be a good thing when it comes to coping with tinnitus. But on the other hand, you have to go without many of the normal activities that you use to uh, divert your attention away from your tinnitus. So whether that's going to the gym or going for a walk or meeting up with friends. So we don't have any of those activities anymore. And uh, that can mean it's harder to distract yourself from your tinnitus. I actually just came across a good example of this on our forum. Someone started a new thread titled, I've always had tinnitus, but the COVID-19 quarantine just made it real for me, in which the person basically describes how they've had tinnitus for many, many years, um, but didn't really get bothered by it until they were stuck at home where it's quiet and you've got lots of time to think. So that definitely seems to be a potentially negative side effect of this situation that we're all in, unfortunately. I should also note that we didn't actually interview anyone with hyperacusis, so I'm I'm curious to know how those folks have been affected. If you do suffer from hyperacusis, maybe you can let us know in response to this episode. All right, now let's hear from a Tinnitus Talk member who has actually had the coronavirus. So he came down with the disease, COVID-19, along with all of his immediate relatives. His name is Eddie, otherwise known as ed209 on the forum his tale is really quite harrowing i would say and it describes what it's like when you get sick in a country where well like many other countries right now the healthcare system is completely overwhelmed beyond capacity we've we've all had it my wife has had it my daughter has had it um i've had it and now my mother also has it she's still in hospital with it right now at the moment yeah, that's very sad to hear. Uh, I really hope she'll be okay. How is she doing at the moment? We don't actually know. She's uh, due to have a scan today and an X-ray to check um, what her lungs look like compared to the the last the last X-ray, which was about two weeks ago. Um, all I know is that they said that her lungs still sound squeaky. Is what what she told me, whatever that means. So there's obviously some fluid there or or something that's being picked up. All right, that's that's I can imagine very concerning. What is the situation like in the hospital in terms of 
capacity, resources? Um, as far as I know, the, the the hospital that she's in, it's one of the worst affected in the in the country in all of the UK. So it's the it's the hot spot. It's as bad as it gets, I think. Yeah, that's an an extra reason for concern, then I suppose. Oh, absolutely, yeah. As far as I know, I think, and I can't clarify this because it ch- the data changes every day, but the, the hospital that she's in had the highest death rate in the country. Oh, wow. So it's not very comforting. Not at all, not um, at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the rest of the family, you said everyone has uh, had it. How are you guys now? I've still got the cough a little bit, not much. Um it took me about two weeks, three, four days, something like that, for the symptoms to fully go away. Well, I say fully, I've still got the cough, so it hasn't completely gone. Um, but I had a temperature for over two weeks. Uh, my temperature was between 38 and 39, and it, it wouldn't go any lower than that. So that took a while. My symptoms started with uh, a sore throat. It was more like a, a tickly cough that de- developed into a proper cough. Then my breath became a little bit shorter and I remember the first night I went to bed when I developed those symptoms I, be- I I had like a fever building up and I just became quite ill the next day felt like I had the flu I had body aches all over um, it was quite peculiar because I was sort of hot and cold at the same time um, yeah and that's how it started for, for me at least all right and um was it confirmed that you guys all caught the coronavirus? No, I was about to bring this up. It's been, so I've got a lot of students who work at the hospital in question who who I teach, um, and they've been checking up on us pretty much every other day to see how we're getting on. And when my uh, mother went into the hospital and was confirmed as a as a definite case, he basically told us that he was absolutely confident without any doubt that that we've all had it in this house based on clinical symptoms he he said he would have no doubt without a test that we've definitely had it because it's clear that we passed it on to her and she picked it up from from work she works in a school yes that does seem very logical and we know it's so easily transmitted that you guys must have all um caught it from each other if she's confirmed to to have the virus indeed have you noticed any impact to your tinnitus or how you experience your tinnitus? That's a good question. Now, I usually get worse tinnitus with a cold anyway. So I usually get quite bunged up if I get a cold. And then once my eustachian tubes block up, my tinnitus always gets louder. Um, and this was no different. It did get louder, but it it wasn't the virus. It was the symptoms of the virus that made it louder, so it blocked me up. And my tinnitus literally hits the stratosphere when it, it gets like that, but there's nothing you can do. It's just one of those things, you know. It was really loud, but after about a week, it started to go back to its its normal level, which is loud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still loud, still but, loud, but not like absolutely ragingly, insanely loud. Oh, wow. That must have been scary. Although I imagine you said it sort of happens every time when you when you have it a happens every time. So I wasn't really freaking out to be honest with you. I I expected it because I I I I've got hay fever. I've got allergies, and I'm always getting bonged up. So this happens frequently. It's sort of par for the course, you know. I didn't immediately think the virus is attacking my ears and making my tinnitus worse. So I wasn't freaking out. Okay, okay. And and what's the situation now? Has your tinnitus gone back down? My tinnitus is back to the way it's always been. It's not behaving any differently. It's exactly the same. So in my case, I can't say this will be the same for absolutely everybody out there, but in my case, it did, did nothing to my tinnitus. Now, let's shift gears a bit uh, away from people's personal experience to the bigger picture of what the corona crisis means for tinnitus research and tinnitus care. Many of you have expressed concern about this. For instance, will there still be funding for tinnitus research? We spoke to Dr. Raj Shekawat, who is a tinnitus researcher. His background is in audiology, and he's currently focused on optimizing non-invasive brain stimulation for tinnitus relief. 
Uh, we talked to him a bit about how the corona crisis has impacted his research very directly and how he's now trying to come up with innovative ways to keep the research moving in spite of the fact that his clinical trials are on hold. Raj is also the public relations manager for the Tinnitus Research Initiative, which means he has a pretty good overview of the tinnitus research field as a whole. So we also asked him about his outlook for tinnitus research in times of corona and beyond. Well, as you know, Hazel, the whole world is uh, encountering this pandemic and uh, it is also having a massive impact on UK as well, just like rest of the world. So if you look at the tertiary educations, most of the universities are um, sort of trying to uh, make their teaching and learning online. Uh, most of the labs are shut down for obvious reasons. Um, and also people are practicing social distancing. So we are practicing exactly the same thing in UK as well. Right. And, and you're working from home uh, permanently or are you still able to go to the university? From past few weeks, I'm working from home because these are the guidelines for us. Those people who are not in the front line and who are not essential workers and who can work from home, they should be working from home. So from past two weeks, I'm working from home. Right. And, and how has this affected your work? It is affecting um, things in, in, in a very different way because a lot of us who are involved in doing teaching and research, of course, now because we don't have the physical space of the class and that physical encounter with the students and the learners, all of that is shifting to an online environment, which is, uh, which is in a way a good approach if you look at the future. Um, we want to make education as accessible as possible. So I think if we look at one positive thing which has come out of COVID-19, I would say that the push it has given to the online pedagogy is really, really amazing. On the other side, of course, there are other things which are which you must be doing in person. For example, I have a PhD student who was supposed to do her data collection, which was supposed to be in person. And of course, we can't do that now. So our lab is shut down for a couple of weeks. And the government is monitoring the situation. And as things will unfold, we will decide what to do. And how, if you uh, if you look at tinnitus research overall, I know you're in touch with a lot of other researchers who are focusing on tinnitus. Uh, you're also one of the staff members of the Tinnitus Research Initiative. Um, so you have a good overview. Uh, what is happening right now in the field and how has the uh, corona crisis impacted tinnitus research? Um, I think it's important for all of us to acknowledge that COVID-19 has had an impact on education, economy, social life, and it is touching various other spheres of people's life. To give you an example, we were supposed to have our annual Tinnitus Research Initiative Conference in Vancouver um, in May this year. And there were people who were planning this for almost a year's time, and they've invested heavily into it in terms of their time, energy. We had a fabulous program all lined up. But now, of course, considering the health and safety of the participants and the travel restrictions around the world, we decided to postpone that conference. Um, so something like that has happened globally in terms of tinnitus community. Also, a lot of labs around the world who are doing clinical research as well as basic research for that matter, those things are definitely delayed as well. I would also like to give you an example of, um, as I was talking about my PhD student who was really excited to, to um, roll the data collection of her, uh, her study. Now, we have decided that because we can't do that, so instead of sitting idly at home, we have decided to sort of add in an extra component to our research. And we are trying to plan an online study now. So as we speak, my student is in the process of uh, get, getting in touch with the ethics committee to see if we could do an online study. And I think that's that's how we all need to be uh, being very agile and being willing to um, look at the best in the situation and figure out what is the best thing going forward for all of us. Yeah, so you're saying a crisis can also make you more inventive and, and find innovative new ways to do research. I absolutely believe that crisis and chaos can result into creativity. 
and we all should be open to that. Absolutely. And as you know, at uh, we at at Tinnitus Talk, we're very much in favor of online studies, or uh, you know, we uh, strongly believe in the power of online communities. So um, uh, I hope you will be able to succeed in that way. What what is this study about, by the way? So this original study, this PhD project, is about use of uh, non-invasive neuromodulation, high-definition TDCS for tinnitus management. And um, what we are also planning to do in this study is now we are adding, because we know that for the next couple of months, uh, we can't do some lab-based work and clinic-based work in here in UK. So we have decided to do this online survey of tinnitus participants about their expectations about tinnitus management and also um, what are their views about uh, about tinnitus management and the research direction. So I think it's extremely important to involve um, uh, patients and the public right at the inception of a study rather than just telling them, okay, this is what we did, these, these are the findings. I think it's important to involve them right at the beginning and that's what now we are going to be doing with this uh, online study. Ah, right. So the topic of the study will still be neuromodulation, but rather than diving straight into the trials or whatever it is you are going to do, uh, you're now taking more time to discuss with the, the patients, with the participants on how the study should be set up and what the goals should be and things like that. Absolutely. And what are their expectations in terms of the benefit and what exactly is they consider a real benefit is? So I think this will give us uh, directly the voices of uh, tinnitus patients directly, and that will definitely help us in terms of not only shaping the study, which we'll be doing uh, in the near future, but also creating more opportunities to involve real patients. And I'm very grateful for Tinnitus Hub for uh, opening up these avenues for for basically bridging the gap between research community and patients, which is extremely, extremely important. So well done, Hazel and Tinnitus Hub for doing this. That was Raj, and we recorded this segment with him a few weeks ago, and we've been in touch with him and his PhD student a couple of times since, and agreed that we will help them out with their online survey for their study. It's for a transcranial direct current stimulation study. I think I said something else during the interview. I may have said neuromodulation, but it's transcranial direct current stimulation, which is a non-invasive brain stimulation technique. So we'll be helping out with an online survey to gauge how patients feel about such a study and what kind of expectations they would have from it. So if you're interested in that, keep an eye out on the forum. We'll be uh, launching that survey very soon. We've also wondered how tinnitus care is impacted because of corona. Now, of course, the level of care available for tinnitus patients is already very limited, in some countries even non-existent. But we wondered, is it now even more difficult to get help? Well, it turns out that's true to some extent. But we also see a shift in providing care online where possible. We spoke to Alan Hopkirk about this. He's an audiologist with a specialization in tinnitus who operates out of Glasgow, Scotland. His clinic there is now closed, but he told us how different types of technology are enabling them to carry on in spite of not having like a physical uh, location anymore from where they can treat patients. Well, I think we were very lucky for the patients that I have that are in early stage uh, support that we got everything in place before the full force of this crisis had happened. So they were comfortable. They felt, you know, they knew they had that support. So uh, I'm, I'm really pleased that they're all coping very well. Oh, that's good to hear because uh, I think it's, as you say, we often hear stories, and I don't know how much research there's actually been done on it, but that people's tinnitus either starts during or gets worse uh, during a, a period of great uh, stress and turmoil. Um, you know, so even if, you know, if it's, it might be caused by hearing loss or some other physical 
issue, but the trigger is often, uh, you know, that uh, emotional stress. Uh, so I can imagine that that's happening a lot right now. Well, I, I think it will be, and I think these will be people who feel isolated. Um, you know, that, and that's one of the problems. If you're sitting there isolated, you're sitting dwelling on things, uh, you know, catastrophizing what's going to happen, feeling there's no point in reaching out to people because, you know, almost it seems like any helpline, you're just on, on hold for an hour. But um, but there are uh, facilities available. I know that the British Tinnitus Association did uh, uh, a test a virtual support group. Uh, we did a, um, a kind of Facebook broadcast earlier in the week as well, which we were beset with a couple of technical problems to begin with. But uh, you know, we we got we had thirty five people that joined at some point. So I think uh, it's very important that we offer support lines to uh, people, particularly when there's a crisis like this. Emotional support can go a long way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, it's good to hear that um, you are developing these new mechanisms, tools, you know, online tools, uh, whatever is needed to still stay in touch uh, with your patients. But have you found that that also changes the way in which you interact with them, the way in which you can support them? So now that we're doing this, we're finding actually it's very successful. Uh, people like it because uh, they are, you know, it's you don't have that that distress of making sure you get to the appointment on time. Is the traffic going to be busy? Is the train going to be cancelled? Yeah, there's still some technical issues with the internet, which uh, you know it's just. But I think even that, you know, people are prepared for. It's not. We're not. We you know we we accept it might take longer to make a connection. Signals might drop out, but I think it's probably going to, it's with us. It's going to be, you know, this way of dealing with, of helping patients, I think it's a big step forward. I don't think it will replace face-to-face uh, -face fully, and I wouldn't want it to, but I think it means that we can give more um, concentrated support in smaller bites, and I think that could be, could be quite beneficial. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, at least we have these modern ways of connecting with each other. Thank God. Um, you did mention. Can I, can I just say that it's not yeah, just a, sorry, sorry, Hazel. It's not just a, having a conversation. We can physically make adjustments to equipment that they have. So my patients have uh, hearing devices, sound generators. I can I can access how often they're using them. Uh, you know, what settings, I can make adjustments. So we can actually, you know, very much interact. It's not just saying, oh, how are you doing? Although that's important too. All right. So you can remotely control some of the tools they're using to manage their tinnitus, you mean? Yes. Yeah. What would you say to someone uh, who right now in the midst of the corona crisis and while the whole world is in turmoil, and they're sitting at home alone, they suddenly develop tinnitus or an existing tinnitus uh, suddenly gets worse and they're not in any in contact with any clinician or in any kind of treatment program um, and they really don't know where to go. Well, it's easier said than done, but my first word of advice would be don't panic. You know, take a deep breath. Um, if you feel this noise has suddenly popped into your head or it had been fine and it's came back, then don't panic. Uh, that's the number one thing because that's when you'll exacerbate it. So the second thing is, uh, yeah, you have to, it's a good good thing to get some, some input from somebody else. So there's a variety of different resources. Our next support group is in May. Uh, and it's not likely that's going to happen face to face, but I think we'll put in place a virtual virtual support group, and we might even do one earlier than that because, in some ways, we can actually well we'll have a go at it. It's an hour of my time, perhaps, rather than an evening, uh, you know. So we could perhaps do more support groups, uh, and they will be more accessible because 
you know, you don't have to live half an hour or an hour away or whatever. As you probably know, we run an online forum under the same name as this podcast, Dinner to Stalk. So this whole situation has made us reflect uh, a lot on the role that online communities can and should play in times of crisis. Now, I've personally always believed very strongly in the power of online communities. I mean, that's that's why we do this work, right? And we have just heard Alan talk about how online help doesn't have to be inferior to face-to-face help. I guess it depends on personal preference, but yeah, we'd like to think that Tinnitus Talk could play an important role in providing everyone who needs it with support, especially during these times. I am aware that healthcare professionals uh, will sometimes, maybe even often, tell their patients with tinnitus to stay away from forums, online forums, because of negativity, whether, you know, real or perceived negativity. Um, Personally, I mean, I'm not denying that there's some of that, but I think there's ways around that and ways to make the online experience a positive one, or at least if not always a positive one, then at least a helpful one, right? Because we can't expect everyone to always be positive when they're struggling a lot with their tinnitus. But anyway, let's first hear what Alan, the audiologist we heard from before, has to say on this topic. So the internet's wonderful, but of course it's got many pitfalls, and that's the challenge. Uh, You know, you've got vulnerable people and... The, you can end up down a pit where you know despair is amplified. And the other thing I would really say is that you know going back to what to say to somebody that suddenly is afflicted by tinnitus is be positive. There are there is help away around. Uh, you're not alone. So you know peer support is so important. You know making people understand that. And I do think that. You know, we run a, we run six support group meetings a year, which are face to face. But I do think that if we nail the, and we will, you know, doing virtual support groups, we'll probably do more. So we will extend the, that support mechanism, which is great. I think Alan makes a fair point about the internet being a potentially scary place for certain vulnerable groups. But I do also think there are ways around that by focusing on the information that is helpful to you. On our forum, for instance, we have sections where people can come just to vent uh, if they want to be heard. But we also have a section on success stories where you can come for inspiration on how other people got better. And we have a general chat section where you can just connect with others on any topic. So I would say focus on whatever helps you. Uh, We also have a very active section on tinnitus research on the forum, and this is, I think, where where we can play a big role in actually influencing the course of research. Because we host this community of many people with a deep interest uh, and a stake in tinnitus research, and we can use that community as a resource to engage with researchers and have the patient voice be heard. We talked a bit about that potential for online patient engagement with Raj. I think eventually anyone who is working in the area of tinnitus research, be it basic science or clinical work, the end goal is to find strategies which will help real life patients and people. So I think people are in the heart of everything. The patients are the heart of every effort which we are doing here at UCL and at other universities and at other research centers around the world. So I think it's only fair to to involve them right from the start and also listen to uh, what their expectations are and listen to what they have to say because sometimes they can come up with these creative ways which can be really, really beneficial. The Tinnitus Talk members we interviewed for this episode, I think all agreed that online communities can play an even more important role in coping with tinnitus during this crisis. Liz, for instance, advised people, especially people who are new to tinnitus, to reach out online and connect with others. 
I can't I can't imagine if you're in that situation it would be pretty difficult actually. You know, you haven't got the mechanisms that you evolve over years to deal with it. They're not in place because it's new and you have that extra level of anxiety that probably goes with it. So I think that's yeah, another level of difficulty, but they've got to hang in there and there is tinnitus talk and people and people thinking about them. I hope that helps them a bit. Steve said something along the lines of what I was trying to say earlier, which is that there's a lot of good information online and, you know, you should use your common sense in filtering out the helpful information and the reliable information from the unhelpful or harmful information. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think it's always about your own personal space. And I think we can all, all of us who've had it for a good while, can all relate to the fact of going online and you might find somewhere that's got 99% positive content. But if you're in that wrong space of mind, you will find the 1% of negative and latch onto it. And it it's all about how you process the information. And you have to, you have to kind of check your own responses, which is very easy for me to say after uh, how long 17 years i don't know god that's a long time isn't it? but you know it's not so easy to say it's somebody in year one at all um, i know what i was like and i just didn't i couldn't and ed in particular stressed the need to vent online you know to vent about your your frustrations or, or desperation or whatever it may be as actually a very important part of coping well, they probably become more pivotal because they will be the backbone of support. There, there's no real life support at the moment. So it, it's a, a great resource that you can just log on to Tinnitus Talk or any other sort of health website and, and talk to other sufferers. And, you know, don't, don't hold back. Just just unleash your feelings. Just tell other people what, what you're feeling like. And it can help. It can help a lot. Don't bottle anything up. You know, don't don't be too brave. I think a lot of people, um, they 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 try to be too brave or too macho. They don't want to show weakness. Well, showing weakness is, I think, it's the opposite. I think it it's actually bolder and braver. It shows more character. Just just talk to people, and especially talk to the people around you. If you're in isolation with your with your parents or people close to you, just just you know, talk to those. Get support from them as well. So that was Ed, and Sean stressed how important social contacts are for mental health in general, uh, which I think a lot of research has has already pointed out, and specifically mental health when dealing with tinnitus. So he actually advises people to find the social aspects that we are now lacking in our day-to-day lives, in our day-to-day interactions, many of which are just gone but to replace those with with online communities like Tinnitus Talk. No, yeah, I'd I'd encourage everyone to to not necessarily lose out on that aspect of socialization and and reaching out to people. Like, you can still call your friends, you can still call your parents, your family, whoever it may be, and you can still talk with them about whatever, but you just, I guess you're going to miss out on that face-to-face aspect of it for a little while now. I think that... Tinnitus Talk is probably a good outlet for everybody. You know what I mean? I think it's especially at a time like this when everyone's stuck at home. You know, you're working from home or whatever. It's and you don't have that, uh, I guess, face to face interaction. But I feel like you. I mean, Marco could probably tell us, but I feel like the traffic toward Tinnitus Talk and the amount of postings and and, and messaging that people are doing is probably gone up significantly because. Um, you know, you're either at home or you're, there's not a lot to do and you can socialize as, as a, some type of, uh, media outlet where you can talk with other people on Tinnitus Talk and, and you can see how everyone else is doing. You can have more daily conversations versus more long-term discussing treatments and stuff. You can have a daily, oh, how are you doing? How, like, how's, how's everything going? I bet the general section is probably exploding right now <laughs> with everyone talking about stuff. Okay, guys, before we wrap up, here are a few more words of advice and encouragement from several of our interviewees. Steve, for instance, talked about the benefits of 
distraction and finding the right kind of distraction for you when you're struggling with your tinnitus? I think you, um, when you're feeling like that, what you really need is to escape in some way. And you have to find which way of escaping works for you, whether it's for masking it with sounds, whether it's get, getting out and about as much as you can, uh, or escapism from video games or something like that. But I think using um, being stuck indoors, using that to do as much research as you can into yourself and your tinnitus to actually sitting down and figuring out, do you know what? I think this makes me worse. I need to try and knock that out. Or I think this helps. Maybe I should try and do a bit more of that. So I think the research time is invaluable with tinnitus to understand yourself. And Raj stressed the importance of kindness and taking care of each other, which I think is a lovely message. I would definitely like to tell the the, the wider community, whoever is listening to this podcast, Please look after your mental health and physical health. Try and get out of the house if you can. Go for some walks if you can. Um, try and reach out to people through, we have technology at our disposal. Use WhatsApp, FaceTime, Skype calls. Use the talk forum to reach out to community to check on people if they are how, how they are doing. And please be kind to others. And if you are struggling, please do not hesitate to reach out because we all are struggling. We all are having difficult days. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you found it useful or interesting. And I really hope we were able to inspire a sense of connection so that you don't feel that you're all alone with your tinnitus in these rather dark days. I also hope that you all stay safe from Corona. Or if you have been impacted, I hope things will turn out okay for you. It's been said a bunch of times in this episode, but please reach out for help if you're feeling desperate. If you don't know where to turn, please reach out to us directly. You can post your story on Tinnitus Talk. Or if you don't feel comfortable doing that and just want some one-on-one support, feel free to send me and Marco a private message on Tinnitus Talk and we will do what we can for you. I want to remind everyone that you can support this podcast directly on Patreon, and I assure you, even small amounts are very much appreciated. So thanks again for your support, stay safe, stay well, and please tune in again next time.